This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Faw, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Sir Ryan of House Terbush, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current master of coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. And welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight, Fist of the Dragon, Maker of Gains, and Co-Lord of the White Claw. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful, Stealer, Stealer of Hearts, Bandit of Time, Hero of Shreve, Co-Lord of the White Claw. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into John 5 of A Clash of Kings, and in our Maester study, we, we will be discussing Emma Aaron. Yeah, as not taking his new title uh today the picker of bones but uh I left that one out you know he, he left it out today maybe but uh the realm remembers much like the north that is a it's a it's a kind of come and go title it's, it's a, a disputed it, title it's a disputed title we uh yeah yeah really uh some of these titles um you know i earned myself and some have just been given to me i'm picking right. them up as i make my way through the realm <laughs> mm-hmm. A hedge knight, okay. just a simple hedge knight. You know, I want to remind folks that's what we've said from the beginning. We're just simple hedge knights making our way around Westeros, and sometimes we head to Essos and we learn a thing or two. So, mm-hmm. where I'm at. As how we doing, man? It's the well, Christmas good. week. Yeah, you're off yeah, school. Mm-hmm. I made it through the through the first semester, as far as I know, um, without any illness. Uh, literally, knock on weirwood. And I am feeling good. I'm feeling good. So we're done. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of a nice relief to get through, to pretty much be done. I think we'll do this episode. We might do maybe one more before the, the year's over, but this might might even be it. Um, it's just kind of crazy, you know? Like 2020 mm-hmm. is really co- is coming to an end, and it feels good. It feels good for it to be ending, and I feel like we've we all deserve a little just – celebration um as as we come into the new year i do have something planned by the way uh i am going to be doing a virtual uh, i want to mention this now just early so folks are if you're interested in in uh in, in joining us i think i'm gonna let the bannerman in there early on hang out with those guys uh around six o'clock and then around nine o'clock open it up for all the patrons to come hop in and uh, hang out with sir Ezra the watchful you can come in you can you just make sure if you're going to use one of my titles um, you, and you're gonna you're gonna call me out for something. Address me properly, okay? Wow. You know, is it the Stealer of Hearts? Is it the Bandit of Time? I'm telling you, I want, you know, if I'm gonna earn these titles, I at least want to be, you know, addressed properly in the Zoom chat. So, 
Okay, well, I'm, hey, hoping, we people, have... I'm, I'm hoping people will pop in there, you know, and it should be fun. I, I, I really do want to just kind of wrap up this year and uh, kind of sound the horn and just, just go crazy, you know, have a good time and be done with that. So that'll be New Year's Eve. If you guys are interested in that, let me know. Um, again, anybody after 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and your patron, I'm going to send you guys the Zoom link and we can, we can hang. So. Okay. Sir, well, Matt, Sir, hey. Sir Matt probably won't be there. You know, he's he's a busy man. He's he's. I uh, won't be there. I'm going to the. Uh, I'm I'm going to the the, the ocean. Uh, uh-huh. Just the the beach cabin getaway uh, for New Year's. Um, going to be trying to communicate with the drowned god. Uh, is the kraken out there? I don't know. We'll find out. I swear, <laughs> please, please send don't me drown. a photo <laughs> of you. <laughs> like, oh my god. Teresa's out there just putting you under, bringing you back. Oh, my gosh. I'm just that out would, there, yeah. Uh, Matt's just laying on, um, the, on the beach just, like, soaking wet. What the heck? It's it's happening, right? Yeah, I mean, guys, we've done it. We've all, I, I don't want to jinx it, but we've almost made it through, okay? We've, we're, yeah. we're, in the, we're in the final stretch of 2020. I'm hoping that 20, you know, I'm hoping it's not like 2020 is Joffrey and 2021 is Ramsey just sitting there being like, oh, you thought it was over, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's, that's uh, really, really what I'm uh, what what I'm hoping for, you know? Yeah, quite. It's like we quite literally haven't seen its final form yet. So, uh, you know, just just <laughs> <laughs> just hoping just hoping that's the case. But yeah, hey, Christmas time's here. Uh, it's great. Uh, get a nice little little break. Um, I'm getting some time off work as well. Not nearly as long as as as, but you know that's hey. how it works. Hey, become yeah. teachers. more, you know, the, there's three reasons you become a teacher: June, yep. July, August. Okay. Right. Yep. I yeah. Know. That's, that's it. Like that's the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's an option. It's a choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. You, everybody can do it. It's great. No. So I get some time off work too. And as and I are. Hammering out content. Obviously, we just finished The Mandalorian over on Hyperspace Hangout, uh, which is phew, amazing. God, it was such good television. And, uh, you know, we're getting news of House of the Dragon, which is yep. awesome. We got some casting news. Matt Smith is going to be in. Is going to be in it. And is he Damon? Did they confirm that? Yeah. Is he Damon Targaryen? Yeah, they, yeah I think be so. Awesome. Matt yeah, Smith absolutely. is awesome. I loved him in Doctor Who. Um, and so he's going to, he's going to be here as, as well. So that's super, super great. I think you'll be a great Damon Targaryen. Yeah. I'm excited. Cause you know, I think 2021, we're going to be doing a lot of, you know, house of the dragon and just doing some videos covering, uh, some of the characters, people we might see character speculation or casting speculation. We could do some of that too. There's so much we can do. And I'm, I feel I'm just really hyped and excited, uh, for our kind of our book club here, you know, because we're out in front of the show and it's going to be pretty awesome. I think just to kind of, uh, go experience that together now. Uh, yeah. Right. Not, yeah. Not coming in at the end like we did with, uh, but the neat when we were yeah. start, you know, before season eight. So no, it is going to be cool. We'll be able to be there from, from the beginning. And we also will all know what's going on and what's going to happen pretty much that the whole deal. So we can be those people who are like, put in the books, it goes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we gosh. can we can we can all be those people rather than like is that going to happen in the books i don't know because the books aren't out yet so. <laughs> oh, that's great yeah mm, yeah um all right as well uh should we head on over to the maester's study 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Emma, Aaron, I thought uh, we would just kind of you go from Viserys. We, we recently covered Viserys Targaryen. And, um, you know, basically we did like his early reign and uh, went all the way to his late reign and his, his death. He is the king who um, will kind of get, gets the ball rolling. And I think they're going to start off focused on him in the series. And his wife is Emma Aaron, who is actually his cousin. Um, she is, they are, I think they're married in, uh, I was like 93. Yeah. So in 93 AC, she marries her cousin, Prince Viserys Targaryen. Uh, both of them are grandchildren of the old king. So I thought that was interesting, right? That, uh, she's actually got a lot of target through, um, I think it's Baylor's daughter. Um, she is actually just closely related to their, their, their cousins. Uh, so she's got those tie, the strong ties to House Targaryen. And, and, you know, that was something else during the Old King's reign. Um, you had more Targaryens, and they're trying to make those alliances with other houses just marriage alliances. So, you know, because there was a lot more of them. Uh, the, 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 it's, there's this big spike, uh, and then we're going to have a Dance of Dragons where in which we will whittle a lot of them out. And then uh, even after that, we're going to get some... Targaryen, another, you know, civil war, if you will, and bastards fighting, and they just eat themselves alive, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, but, like, the Targaryens could have been so much more, but there's just all this infighting and, and things that happen uh, that, that caused that to not move forward, so, but yeah, she is, uh, Emma Aaron is, is Viserys' um, first wife, Alicent Hightower is his second, and we'll talk about her uh, later, and, and her arc is, that's one that's going to carry us through the entire uh, entire series, actually. Probably, most likely. Um, so, Emma is... She is the mother of Rhaenyra, Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen. And Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen is going to be our big... That's the big focus for this, this series. It's going to be Alicent Hightower versus Rhaenyra. So, you have the second wife of, of, of Viserys uh, versus Viserys' first daughter. Right, and so Emma is just um, she's there beforehand, and she dies in childbirth. I mean, she tries uh, numerous times to have. Uh, she has several miscarriages. She then does have a child um, that uh, will die, and is mocked actually by Damon Targaryen, who is being played by Matt Smith. So you know, it's just kind of that's kind of crazy to think about him being that character when you think of all the cruel, crazy things that he does. You know. I know, I know. When I think of when I like, I think of Matt Smith. Uh, the first thing, and I, uh, the first thing I think of is is Doctor Who, where he's obviously like a good guy, a like ultra good guy, right? Uh, yeah. And 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 then to think of him, like I haven't seen him in The Crown. I think he's in, um, so I don't know if he's. But I I I feel like he could be a great. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on which side you're on. Villain, sort of. I mean, he does. Damon Targaryen is 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 kind of ruthless. He's kind of a ruthless guy. But so you know, you you some people root for him, and some people you know don't like him. So they're going to be split. Uh, they're going to be kind of kind of split on him. So it's going to be really interesting to to see him. Yeah, in that in yeah. that role. Yeah, and actually one quick. Yeah, no, it really will be. Um, so quick correction, Jaehaerys. I'm sorry, I said I said Baylor. Um, Jaehaerys the first Targaryen, the old king. But uh, that is who uh, Emma is, his granddaughter as well. And Viserys is his grandson, and so they marry. My question, I guess, you know, for Sir Matt is, do you think we're going to, like, do, do we pick up with Rhaenyra already born 
And do, do we see someone just, you know, for one episode or something playing an Emma Aaron who is going to be married to Viserys? Like, I, I guess I, the, the bigger question is when do you start with Viserys' life? Do we see a younger um, Viserys and then later on, you know, we'll, we'll see him growing up, get married, have, have a child, and then take the throne? Um, that's going to be interesting to see how – because wherever they start – yeah, you can you can jump forward in time a little bit, but I kind of think they want to pace it out and really um, make it more compact instead of doing these big time jumps. But the place where you could do that is at the beginning of this season. Show us a bit of the old king, and then show us the one on one council. We kind of have to understand that, you know. We have to understand why Rhaenyra is it's such a big deal that everyone is you know swears allegiance to her, and why it's ironic that Viserys will not move. Um, will not rename the heir uh, once he has sons with with Allison Hightower. So I don't know. I mean, Emma's legacy is that her daughter is is going to be a major ruler, and then yeah. and then Rhaenyra's son is ultimately going to continue the Targaryen uh, reign. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's going to be hard to tell because just um, right now we don't we don't know where they're starting, and we only have we only have casting of major major characters. Um, so, you know, we do have, we do have Rhaenyra, uh, cast as well. Uh, it's this actress, Emma Dar, D'Arcy, I think it's like D apostrophe RC. So it's looks like Darcy, but it's got an apostrophe in it. Yeah. Um, and man, she has been in about nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's like a real unknown. I mean, um, she's, I think more of maybe more of a, of a theater actress, uh, she's in some show called Truth Seekers, um, and she was in a, a show called Wonderlust, which I'm un- unfamiliar with. Um, but that's about it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I mean, she looks like she's she looks like she's in her. I don't. Uh, I'm sure I can pull up her actual age here. Um, but she looks like she's in maybe like her, I'd say mid twenties at the most. Um, she looks. Uh, I mean, she looks you know pretty, pretty young here. So. Yeah. I, I I think they're I think they're gonna be I don't know that we're gonna see them growing up and stuff. I think I think maybe I don't even know that we'll see speak Emma Targaryen. Emma Targaryen. Yeah. See, I kind of think we're going to. I think we're gonna see just a little bit of, of like a this. flashback or something. Or? Yeah, because and I'm totally this is just predictions and everyone has their opinion, their thoughts on this. I'd love to hear people's thoughts and comments um on, on where we're gonna start. Because to me, you have to know something about this, um, the, the way in which an heir is chosen. It's all about who is next in line and who is going to take the throne. So I don't see, you know, the for an audience that's coming into this and looking at it and going, so, okay, uh, Rhaenyra's up. What's the beef? Why is there an issue? Well, before Viserys, there was this, there was this king, you know, there was all this issue with his sons dying. Then we went to his grandsons and his granddaughters. And basically it was determined that even though he had older granddaughters who maybe would have been in line to take the throne, we decided to go with the grandson because um, we, you know, we're choosing men over women. And that was the way in which it was going to work. So I think we have to understand some of that and get some of that context. So I don't know if you do it in a like a flashback or if you show that and then you talk about or if they or if the character Viserys himself talks about it just with. Allison Hightower, maybe it starts off with the death of his wife and it's and it's all of them trying to convince Viserys that he needs a new wife. I mean, it could be that Emma Aaron is has died in childbirth 
and you hear them talking about it on the small council. And Otto Hightower is saying, hey, you need to go get another wife. And you, next thing you know, um, Viserys is, here's Allison Hightower, and she can provide you with sons. So that might be a, a way. But we have to understand what's it still, why, why this is such an issue is, is my, my thing. And so whether we see Emma Aaron, we see it earlier, and then we see her die, and then we see Allison step in, or if they, you know, go back and, and start the whole thing off in some sort of prologue where, uh, you know, it's, it's, we, we know that it's, there's a date and then you flash forward to a later date. I don't know. I mean, it's just that I think is going to be interesting. I could be completely, I mean, we might just, it might start off and I don't know why you would cast Viserys, right? And then just show his death, right? I mean, but like, that's the kickoff to all of this, which is. Right. Which so, is, Viser- right. So Viserys dies in 129. Um, Alicent and um, Viserys are married in 106. Now, Rhaenyra at that time would be about nine. So if you go about, you know, you go about 10 years later, that means she'd be 19, which looks maybe like roughly the age of this actress. So maybe it's going to be somewhat similar to Game of Thrones and that, you know, in, you know, take away the you know take away the idea that that the whole series starts with Game of Thrones and just think about what we know you know as one big one big thing. Well, the, where the main series starts is John Aaron has just died, and now you know Robert Baratheon and Ned Stark are about to die in the first book slash first season, and so that's the beginning of our story, and then it's going to go there. So I think we know we obviously I think it's it's pretty obvious where where this is going to end, which is probably going to be Rhaenyra's and uh, Damon's death, right? And then Aegon all, all, there ultimately ends up, um, Aegon Third ultimately ends up becoming becoming king after the whole Dance of the Dragons ends. So yeah, I think the bigger question is, is, is where is it going to, is where is it going to be, is where is it going to begin? Yeah, and well, I think, I think it's going to be closer to, I think, I think Viserys might only, not, now that now that we have the casting of those guys and they're I think it's going to be a little bit closer to his death. I think maybe he's one season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's one season too for sure. Um I think there will be a younger version of him or even a younger version of of Rhaenyra. Um I think you could keep you could use the same actor for Viserys, make him younger, but then I think you could show us a younger Rhaenyra and then we All just right. know that moving forward you're focused on if you have two Rhaenyra's in the same season, we see a younger one who is at court meeting Alicent, and and then unless they just tell us moves that. on from there, because I mean could... a lot in in Game of Thrones, in Game of Thrones, I think how many flashbacks really are there? I mean, until Bran starts seeing visions of the past, the only flashback that I can think of, maybe there's more, but just off the top of my head, is um, Cersei and Maggie the Frog. That's the only one I can think of. That's like an actual like here's what happened in the past yeah and the crazy thing is in the series the way george writes it is that there are like ironically you know even though right. you're talking about the hbo show in in the book series there are a lot of flashbacks there's a ton of them i mean there's tons of people adding context to the tourney at heron hall and you hear the characters talk about those things and reference it so it very much could be that they just talk about the, the council of 101 ac and we're supposed to kind of understand that that's like okay what happened there i mean that is something we that's an angle that, that you could approach the series from because I'm thinking like, like house Valerion is majorly screwed um, from the, the council of, of 101 AC. So how do you show that, that Corliss is pissed and that Damon is upset 
when does he get upset? You know, I mean, there's actually a lot of stuff between 101 and and Emma's death, uh, and then him picking Allison Hightower. A lot of things that you could blow up and exaggerate and make bigger and and really really talk about. I mean, I think we knew, when we go to Damon, actually, we go to Damon Targaryen. If, if if we're focused on him, his whole life is crazy. You know, he's backing his brother. He's ready to go to war for Viserys to back him up. And then once he gets in there, he's he's walking around. He knows that his brother doesn't have a, a son yet, and Rhaenyra's there. But okay, fine, we'll. We'll deal with Rhaenyra later. Uh, he he wants to be next up. He wants to be close to power. So that whole Rogue Prince uh, story arc right. starts a little bit sooner. And, right. So and, 120, 120, the, uh, which is nine years before he dies, right? Did I just say that right? 129. Um, you start there. I mean, that's – no, wait. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Now I'm getting all mixed up in my time. But 120 – is Rhaenyra and Damon welcome the the birth of their son Aegon, so that who becomes Aegon the Third? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So are I Rhaenyra, mean, are Rhaenyra, are Rhaenyra and Damon together in the in the season when the, one? When the, in season one, yeah, yeah. Again, you, like I, it's it's all really <laughs> really interesting. See, because I that's what I'm saying. There's so much story to be told before you ever get to a point where Viserys dies. Um, what would you say, one one twenty nine AC or something? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, when that happens, I mean, that's that's you know twenty eight uh, years later after the the Great Council, um, and you have that actor. I you know I, yeah I I think I think he could be kind of like and I think you said this, which is like an Eddard Stark who is there for the whole first season, and we get to know Viserys, and he's this good. Uh, jovial, really easygoing um, king. We like him. Rhaenyra's cool. She's awesome. His brother's a little strange. We don't like his brother. And turns out then that once he dies, all of a sudden people are plotting against like this this girl who we love, this little Rhaenyra. And then Damon, who we didn't like in season one, now comes back at season two, and he's this guy who we're like, yes, take care of Rhaenyra. Like, let's go. And and move that story forward. Right. I don't know. I'm thinking and of we the do ebbs have, and flows of the right. series. We do we do also have um, Olivia Cook. That was the other that was the other announcement is going to be playing Alicent Hightower. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, to be honest, I mean, wow. I, I'm just looking at this picture they got of her here. Um, and then there's the picture from Fire and Blood where she's sitting next to Rhaenyra, and my God, it looks it looks just like her. Yeah, it looks uh, just like her. I yeah. mean, it looks literally just like her. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll 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 de- we'll we'll definitely see as 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 that as that goes forward. So it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be interesting. I'm super excited for this show, and I'm glad we're 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 starting to get some some news on it because now we can really start speculating. Because again, I think we're it, it, we know how it's gonna end. We just where's where does it begin, and then we can kind of start to piece out what do we think we're going to see around what season, and we can kind of piece the the seasons together, which is going to be cool. Yeah, and so I'd love to hear from from folks, you know, whether you want to send us a raven or or leave a comment on YouTube. Where do you think this is going to start? Do you think we're going to see Emma Aaron? Like, do you think we're actually going to see Rhaenyra's mother, and is that going to help us then understand what it's like for her to have um, the evil stepmother show up? You know what I mean? Sorry, I, you know. Disney. No, that's okay. That's that's okay. Some people, hey, some you know, some, some people, people might, you know, so, yeah. some people are on on other side. So yeah, it's yeah, it, it's gonna get. Yeah, I I I do think it'll it's gonna end. It's gonna end with like the or the first season will end with like okay, now the Dance of the Dragons has has probably started. So yeah. so what is that? 
as as we go forward. So, all right. Well, hey, before we move into the reread, uh, have a, a cool little plug here. Um, uh, as we, hey guys, we've said, hey, you can sponsor our show. If you want to sponsor our show for an episode, you can hit us up. We have some of that in our Patreon. We have that over on some other websites as well. Uh, as you know, you and I run a little podcast called The Matt and Ed Show. We do it for fun on the on yep. the side where we're talking about all kinds of random things that have nothing to do with Game of Thrones, but just a lot of different things. Sometimes we're talking, you know, what's up with those monoliths that are right. out in, <laughs> yes. in, in, the, in the desert? Are they real? Are they fake? Are they all kinds of things? So uh, got a, uh, a little plug here for a podcast called Physical Attraction, okay, spelled, you know, I was thinking, oh, what is, what is this podcast about? Well, it's a podcast about science, technology, and the future from a physicist's perspective. So I do I do like that uh, that name there. Combining deeply researched episodes with in- interviews and experts, scholars, and thinkers, we cover a huge range of fascinating topics from the birth of stars to the ways the world might end, from nuclear fusion and artificial intelligence to uh, economic inqu- inequality, climate change, and cosmology. From the $100 billion venture, venture capital fund trying to accelerate the technological singularity to the life and times of scientists in the Soviet Union. Find Physical Attraction wherever you listen to podcasts or at physicspodcast.com. Wow, that is a range that is a range of topics. Uh, I like the. I do like the name though. Physical attraction. It's a physicist. You know, that's, that's actually that's, really good. That's, that's, a good, yeah. that's a good. That's a good. It's a good name. I love good names because I love good branding. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, definitely go check that out. That, that that's interesting. All right, guys. Uh, on to the reread this week. We are into John five, um, which is another short chapter. You know, I'm. I was looking at it as, and I was like, man, we're already halfway through a Clash of Kings. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Crazy to think yes. about. Um, but guys, uh, I'm going to read the whole summary here because it's not that long. But there is a lot in this chapter. It's one of those short but sweet chapters. So yeah. John hears the call of a war horn, one blast to signify brothers returning. Corin Halfhand has arrived with 100 men from the Shadow Tower. Corin recognizes John and tells him that he knew Lord Eddard and John's grandfather, Lord Rickard, as well. The men from the Shadow Tower were delayed because they met Alfin Crowkiller and his men who had been scouting along the wall. They killed the wildling leader and took some captives, but lost four men in the process. Later, John overhears dissent in the ranks as Chet and Lark, the sister men, speak of not going into the Frostfangs, no matter what the old bear orders. John has given the war horn he found to Sam because it's cracked and he and he could get no sound from it, but Sam, Sam likes ancient items. In Mormont's tent, John overhears Corrin telling Mormont about a captive claiming that Mance Raider has wargs and mammoths in his army. He also explains that the captive claims the wildling plan to breach the wall, not climb it or burrow beneath it. Corrin tells uh, them that Mance is seeking something in the high, cold places of the Frostfangs, some power or artifact. Corrin advises the old bear to send scouts into the mountains, and Mormont agrees. Jarman Buckwell will take four men to climb the giant's stair. 
Thorin Smallwood will lead a party to probe the milk water, while Corrin himself will lead a third party into the Skirling Pass. Corrin immediately chooses Jon Snow as one of his four men, stating that the old gods are still strong beyond the wall, the gods of the first men, and the Starks. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whew, there's a lot of stuff. Even though it's like it, it's only it's only a handful of pages, as there is a lot of big takeaways <laughs> from this chapter. I mean, first let's just go ahead. Let me just go ahead and start it here. Um, they came. The call came drifting through the black of night. John pushed himself onto an elbow, his hand reaching for Longclaw by force of habit as the campfire began to stir. Or as the camp began to stir. The horn that wakes the sleepers, he thought. So here he's thinking about the horn, you know, that wakes the sleepers of men, whatever. This is the horn to keep to get rangers to come back. Then John gives the horn that's you know, Sam that that Sam had found, which has a crack in it, back to Sam, because Sam likes old things. And then we hear that Mance Raider's out there searching for some sort of powerful artifact. Well, do we have that powerful artifact? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have that artifact, actually? That is... Well, that would be so crazy. That would be just, like, so right. ironic, right? You're hearing them about this search, this great search that's going on. They interrogated somebody, and Sam's over here digging dirt out of the freaking horn, you know, and like what John did at first, and then tries to make sound out of it. It's chipped. It's cracked. Sam likes old things. Here you go. Uh, use it for, you know, uh, a drinking horn. I mean, what, like... But it could be this this powerful... Uh, relic or whatever this this item. Keep in mind, keep in mind that the cover, the item on the cover of Winds of Winter, if that ever comes out, is a horn, and Sam has the horn with him currently at the Citadel. Yeah, yeah. Who was it at one point we were talking and like <laughs> you know you forget those little things and and someone said I think we were talking about this and and you said Ez don't forget that uh, you know Sam uh, from Horn Hill. Right mm-hmm. when that you he's yeah like Sam's got the horn. Oh, it's just kind of funny. I was like, this is crazy. But yeah, Corin is is like they don't really know exactly um, what it is. Uh, they were interrogating one of the uh, wildlings, and turns out maybe they went a little too quick, a little too fast. Didn't get all the information. Was he just telling tales about all these things that are happening uh, with the king beyond the wall and why everyone is moving? why they can't find all these wildlings, it's a little scary. Um, Corrin is just such a cool character. He's just, like, he's a man who is, um, like, like he knows he, he, he knows his duty. He knows, like, he, he, the vows that he took. Like, when he and the old bear are talking about, this is why they put the black, this is why they put the black cloak on, this is why they took the black was to defend the realm, you know? And they're going to do it. They basically, uh, you know, by the end of this, like, they essentially agree that they are, um, they're dead. That, that that really all that they can do is scout a little bit, possibly stop or slow down Mance Raider, and get word back to the wall. Have them freeze the tunnels. Have them, you know, make preparations. And where could we garrison? Let's send word back. Um... They could leave right now, but they're not really sure if Mance is on the move, all this kind of stuff. And and Corrin is someone who that the old bear looks to and really respects him, will take his counsel, and he's just he just steps he just steps in there and you go, 
This guy's legendary. He's he seems like he's larger than like he's just a big deal. And I'm like, I totally get why people theorize about him and want to know uh, is is he more than just um, this? I mean, who was he before he took the black? You know, right. Exactly. Wow. Who was he before he he took the black? And, and and we'll come back to that. But really quick, I just I want I want to I want to do one last thing on the horn here. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we can then we can then we can go back to corn. All right. Um, I'm gonna read. Let me just read this section. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, John slid his new dagger from its sheath and studied the flames as they played against the shiny black glass. He had fashioned the wooden hilt himself, and would um hempen twine around it to make a grip ugly but it served dolorous ed uh, uh he he opened uh he uh, he knows that the, the glass knives were about as useful as as nipples on a knight's breastplate but john was not so certain the dragon glass blade was sharper than steel albeit far more brittle it must have been buried for a reason he had made a dagger for Gren as well, and another for the Lord Commander. The war horn he had given to Sam. On closer examination, the horn had proven that had proved cracked, and even after he had cleaned all the dirt out, John had been unable to get any sound from it. Um, you know, the, the, the worthless. But Sam likes old things, even worthless old things. Maybe make a drinking horn out of it, John told him. And every time you take a drink, you'll remember how you ranged beyond the wall. All the way to the fist of the first men. He gave Sam a spearhead and a dozen arrowheads as well, and passed out the rest. So, um, and then it does. Then it does go on. Mormont could offer no answers about who could have buried the cloak or what it might mean. Perhaps Corin will know. The half hand had ventured deeper into the wild uh, than any other living man. So, I I, I just I just like how. It must have been buried for a reason, right? This cloak and all of these things, but you know that war horn in it—that's not important. Give that, give that away, yep. because we have the we have these dragon glass, which is which is oh, this is the deal. This is important. Right, this is important. Look at it. Yeah. I, I I've I've made a knife out of it, and it's it's to it is totally grr to bait and switch you into thinking the horn is useless. But Sam still has it at the right. citadel. Right. Yes. No. Hundred percent. I I think there's something to that. There's also. I mean, we. We've talked about this before, um, and that Euron is coming, and there's a great battle that's going to happen there. Magical items are going to be involved. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I just, I, I don't know what Sam is going to do with that horn, if he's going to sound it, and it's going to do something ridiculous. I mean, it would be freaking sick. Like, so one of those moments where desperation, like he's, I, you know, as a warning, I mean, he's, he's, a man, he's a man of the night's watch, and that's what they do. They sound the horns. So I mean, I'll go ahead and ask it. Is it the horn of winter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is it the horn of winter? Um Possibly, possibly, it it was found beyond the wall. Um, it is, it's older. I, it it may, it makes me think that like if you're looking for an ancient horn that they describe all the runes on it, they uh, Jorman's horn, right? They're looking for something that's kind of special, and this was wherever it was found. It was full of dirt, so it was buried, which tells you that it was in a grave. Okay, and that's exactly what Mance Raider and all those guys are doing. Is they're going, they're going along, and Agret will tell us they've been digging up graves of old kings and different people to try to find these horns. And they find a great big horn that's super fancy looking and all this kind of stuff. And and that again is one of the things to kind of throw you off. The the, the most, I mean, it goes. I think back to Indiana Jones and the, and the and the right the the Grail, right? And it's like it's the simple carpenter's cup. You know, it, well, this is the simple horn. 
that like it's it's not as intricate, it's not as fancy and big or whatever as the one that they are claiming to be the horn that Melisandre that they burn later. Um, and this one was full of dirt and it was buried. I mean, it's buried here. Um, I, I kind of think though it seemed like that 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 was it was packed with that because I think they say John is cleaning it out and and gives it to to Sam. Um, and, and he had tried to make a sound from it and no sound came. So broken, broken horn. Can it be fixed? Is the horn of winter? Be cool. Be really cool. Right, and then and then you also got to think about who bar- who buried all that stuff there because it seems like it was. Correct me, I, I'm. It seems like it wasn't buried that long ago, right? Yeah, it was not. Um, it was it was fresh, and that is something that. But that means s- that they that the horn was had to have been dug up recently and not cleaned out. Yeah, well, and so the thing is, like, whoever dug up the horn, what I guess what I'm saying is, it seems like the horn was somewhere else and it was dug up, and the glass was found as well, and it was wrapped inside of a cloak, and then all of that was buried inside of a cloak. Um, and, and the clo- and it seemed to be a freshly dug, not very far down right. in the ground. I mean, a ghost can can scratch so, it up, and so I because I, 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 I know how we always think about how again, even even when we theorize about who buried all that stuff, I think the first thing we think about is well, it's the obsidian, right? That's what we think about. They they buried it there to give them the obsidian, but we I think we toss out the idea or just don't think about it that if that horn is the horn of winter, you know, it's it's seems pretty obvious that it was a ranger who did that. Well, would a ranger have done that to hide the horn from Mance? If yeah. they, cause if, if they know that Mance is out there yes. looking for the horn of winter, um, I've seen some people theorize that it was, uh, I think a lot of people think it, it just in Reddit sub in sub and forums and stuff like that, that it was Benjen. Some people have said that Benjen got it from the crypts of Winterfell when he was there. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah, either way, I think it is, it's buried, um, it's also interesting that it's buried so near the Fist of the First Men, too. Like, they they knew. It's like a fortress, right? Yeah, and so that's also a marker where you can easily go back and find that, and you can find it around one of those trees, you know you buried it there, so you, you could come back to it. So it makes me think the person who buried it, uh, you know, believed they were going to live, and were going to come back and retrieve it, uh, and that this would be near near a great marker that they could find again. So I'm hopeful Benjen is alive if he's the one who did bury it. Uh, you know, the other wi- the wild thought that crossed my mind is that you have wildlings who were moving back to Mance and who were digging up things, and maybe somebody found it and didn't have a way to get it back to him, and they did kill a crow. And they killed a crow, and they, and they, and they stashed it in some hole and said, we're going to come back to it. Maybe Mance got word of that. And, you know, I don't know. He's, he's heading that way. Is, is, that, is there something uh, there, too? I, I like the idea more that it was one of the rangers who went missing you know, and and took their cloak off and buried it there versus right. someone I mean, else. I mean, I mean, I mean Gur literally tells behind. us that's you know. Yeah, I mean, Gur literally tells us, which he doesn't do all the time. Right, a lot of times see, there's hints and all of these things, and people people speculate majorly on these things that involve, you know, like it's like one line. Oh, is that going to be the end game to the whole deal? I mean, he flat out says right here, it must have been buried for a reason. Yeah. I mean, for yes. Gurr to even go that far, yeah, it's a big yeah, yeah. deal. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we can almost get there ourselves and, and say, yeah, there's a, a... And we do with a lot is, of things. Right. So, but he wanted to make it clear. Yeah, so he does, you know, make that extra nod. I get you. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that are buried in that. And then you, to start the chapter off, like you said, we fo- we've made three dragon glass daggers and we're focused on that. 
And offhandedly, we're talking about, well, I just gave the horn up to Sam. No big deal. That's not the focus. But then watch it, track it, track it all the way with, with Sam, Sam the Slayer, and, and look at all the symbolism around that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it didn't sound, when he, he tried to sound it, it didn't work, though. Um, so John tried that, right? John tried to sound the horn. I, they, the legend is, right, that it's going to bring, that it could bring the wall down or something. Uh, yeah, some, that's one. Yeah, yeah, maybe you know? one of those. Yeah. And, but like what we've seen are we've, we, well, what we've heard or read about are, are these, are these dragon binding horns, you know, that where you, you can control a dragon or something. So th- th- it's, it's also kind of, like what does that mean? Is are the are the spells? Does it mean that you can lower the spells that were that were on the the wall? Uh, like like what is it actually going to cause specifically it to crumble? Does it just have some big? You know what are its powers? I guess if it, if we were saying that there's a horn of winter and it can do what X Y what are the things it can actually do? Um, control of uh, an ice dragon and therefore they use the ice dragons to take the wall down. There's tons of different thoughts on 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 that. Um, I don't know. You know just. Can can one horn do that? Do all that? Thing? Yeah, it's great. We yeah. do see Euron's horn later. Like we saw, we see a guy who will literally blow a horn, and he's burned from the inside out. I mean, he's to a crisp, uh, and blood—the the blood that was used to kind of you know make all the runes and activate the horn itself. So it has to steal some type of life force, and I guess, or you know, um, but I, I yeah, I find it interesting. It's something to pay attention to, and I guess uh, as, as we move move along. Um, We'll keep an eye on it, and if you guys have any additional thoughts on it or want to explore more of uh, predictions with the horn and Sam later on down the line, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I guess really the other big kind of uh, takeaway from this is Corin himself, right? And uh, it's it some of the some of the interesting things that come along with Corin, right? Is you know. Dawn, uh, we obviously, you know, that's that's a big that's a big theory um, to 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 pull from, um, and almost like Corn's immediate choosing of John, and um, there's some language here that says, you know, that they feel like they know each other, which is interesting, and Corn seems to know Ned Stark and his dad, so um, so that's definitely obviously some some things to point out as well. Uh, John knew Corn halfhand the instant he saw him, though he, they had never met. The big ranger was half a legend in the watch, uh, a man of slow words and swift action, tall and straight as a spear, long-limbed and solemn. I found the uh, straight as a spear interesting because if you go down the corn half-hand is a... if Cor- you know, if Corn Half Hand is say Dornish, well, he mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily be from House Martell, but House Martell, which is the seat of Dorn, and that region is a is a spear, and I just made me made me kind of put my mind put my mind in in that region. Um, uh, you are Jon Snow. You have you know uh, you have your father's look. Did you know him, my lord? I am no lordling, only a brother of the Night's Watch. I knew Lord Eddard, yes, and his father before him. Um, John had hurried his steps to keep up with Corrin's long stride. Lord Rickard died before I was born. Uh, he was a friend of the watch. Corrin glanced behind. It is said that a dire wolf runs with you. Ghost should be back by dawn. He hunts at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's all, this is all, let's go over th- this. Is, since, <laughs> um, okay. Since the time 
Yeah, and since we're here, and Corin Halfhand is here, let's go over some of these interesting things. His his black um, cloak. It's not so black, actually. It's actually it's it's described as gray, <laughs> and as if it were once white, and it's been sooted up and soiled to the <laughs> point that it's black. And like people look at all these different. Like, so I say the language surrounding him is very interesting. So I, I have. Several of these I kind of copied and pasted and put some of these old like theories uh, uh, together just surrounding Corin. Um, and Matt was kind of reading there about his, oh, just that he is straight as an arrow, right? I mean, a lot of knights sit up tall and straight, uh, and then he's long-limbed, right? He's got that solemn face. He's clean-shaven, which is another thing, too. That's different from everybody else. And he seems to be, he corrects John pretty quickly when he calls him, does he call him a lord, or, or is it like mm-hmm. my lord, or something? Yeah, and he corrects him there, uh, pretty pretty quickly. But yeah, he his his hair is also um, he's got this heavy braid. Uh, let's see, the blacks he wore were so faded they might have been grays. Um, so that's interesting. We describe his his fighting hand, right? He only had a thumb and a forefinger that remained on the hand that held the reins. The other fingers had been sheared off. Uh, after catching a wildling's axe that otherwise uh, that otherwise would have split his skull. Now, I'll argue, if you're going to argue this theory, it wasn't a wildling's axe. It was it was um, Howlin' Reed's axe. Wow. wow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, like, 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 like you go back and you, you say, did he lose a portion of his hand right. then? And he came to, like, did this, did he come up with did the that, story? Th- did, that, did that stop the fight, right? Save yeah. for Helen Reed. Yeah, we don't know that Helen Reed killed. Yes, yes. Killed I mean, Arthur Dane. If he is, that's that's obviously a big theory, right? Is that Corn Halfhand is Arthur Dane and Mance Raider might be Rhaegar or something along those lines that Corn Halfhand is, is somebody else. Yes. And so specifically, the one that we're looking at here is, is that he is um, Sir Arthur Dane. And, Tall as this, he's a tall knight. He's got the the grayish uh, cloak that would be like a white cloak that you add black to, turn it gray. Um, mm-hmm. His eyes a- were also gray as well. And when you talk about like, even though House Dane has those purple eyes, um, you have other situations where Gerald Dane and others didn't have. They had darker eyes, and you know, so that's his eyes are never really actually described. Um, well, I can keep going. Let me give you a few more crazy situations. He has half a hand, right? So he drew his longsword. Um, and uh, let's see. So this is actually, uh, this is, again, a theory outside of the chapter a little bit. But it's it's noted that he, um, it was said that he could handle a blade better uh, now than he ever had before. And he's the best of them. Like, he's this, he's this really good good fighter. And there's this parallel to Jamie's story. Uh, Jamie, who... Like he and Sir Arthur Dane, right, have a, have a history and a past, both being um, Kingsguard. And as a boy, Jamie wanted to be Arthur Dane, but but uh, you know, so that that's just and he Jamie loses a hand, and if this is Sir Arthur Dane, he's now lost half a hand, and so there's a kind of a, a parallel there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie says, "I learned from Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning, uh, who could have slain all five of you with his left hand." while he was taking a piss with the right. So throwing out the idea that with his left hand, right, Corin is using his left hand because he only has half of a right, and he does, he says he's a better fighter now uh, with his left hand, Corin, that is, than he was before. So, and it's just, it's 
It's it's crazy. All the wildlings know that core and half hand is a big deal. They won't mess with them. You can't. I mean, you can't stand toe to toe with this guy. This guy can. You know, he's he's legendary. He's he's larger than life up here. Um. So yeah, I just think all of that is interesting. You know, you you think about like who who could this guy be? Why are there so many little tiny nods and and nods towards Don the cloak, uh, his posture, clean shaven. The guys who he's around, who also happen to be semi-Targaryen men, possibly. One was a squire to a king. A Targaryen king. <laughs> like, we can go mm-hmm. on. We can mm-hmm. go on and on. Right here. I mean, just in, in, in this chapter, too, You get we, as, as we get toward the ends, right? I'll, I'll just read some of this stuff. Uh, just the last, the last little bit here, right? Um, die, the raven muttered, pacing along Mormont's shoulders. Die, die, die. Which that's its own interesting thing, right? Uh, the old bear sat slumped and silent, as if he, uh, the burden of speech had grown too heavy for him to bear. But at uh, last, he said, "May the gods forgive me. Choose your men." This is when they're getting ready to pick teams. Corn Halfhand turned his head. His eyes met with John and held them for a long moment. Very well, I choose John Snow. Mormont blinked. He's hardly. More more than a boy, and my uh, steward besides, not even a ranger. Uh, Tollet can carry your, uh, care for you as well, my lord. Corin lifted his maimed two-finger hand. The gods are still strong beyond the wall. The gods of the first men and the Starks. Mormont looked at John. What is your will in this? To go, he said at once. The old man smiled sadly. I thought it might be. Dawn had broken when John stepped from the tent beside Corrin Halfhand. The wind swirled around them, stirring their black cloaks and sending, sending a scatter of red cinders flying from the fire. We ride at noon, the ranger told him. Uh, best find that wolf of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Of course, well, Dawn. Dawn, you know, uh, the, all of the symmetry of Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, um, he, him being the, the sword of the morning, who's wielding Don, um, if, if he if he is Sir Arthur Dane. Um, very interesting. The other thing that's interesting, if you we don't know again, the events surrounding the Tower of Joy are we're always speculating, we're always thinking about. But if it is revealed, if Helen Reed and and Edard uh, reveal some of the magical nature or the power surrounding uh, Northmen and and you know ice power, whatever you want to call it. He also has been hearing from Rhaegar all about the prince that is promised, and he realized. And, and Rhaegar has him doing things. He's guarding a tower, you know. That uh, why is he not with the king? Why is Jamie Lannister left with with the king? And why is Sir Arthur Dane uh, doing Rhaegar Targaryen's bidding? And Eddard Stark has to go there and find out about that. So it's all, you know. There is just not. I, I just do do not believe that there is some fight there, and Sir Arthur Dane ended. Uh, I think I think he had, I think the significance of all that is explained, and it very well could be that he comes north and say, once his role is done and once he's he's uh, finished whatever it is that he had to do with uh, Rhaegar and the royal family and helping them and protecting princelings and things like that. Well, what better way than to just say I want to continue the fight? How do I serve the realm? I can't do it with a white cloak anymore. I'll put on a black one, and I'll go and I'll and I'll be essentially a a sword. Right, this this sword, it's what that's what the wall is, right? It's this it's it's a shield that guards the realm of men, and that some people have theorized that it's even possibly um, the weapon or the sword or device that's going to defeat whatever evil is, is is marching south. So yeah, and he does, and I mean he, 
You know, it's it's interesting here too because just to jump ahead here, right? So this is when Corin and him are talking. Um, uh, then he, uh, there there is no but, Jon Snow. You are or you are not, Jon. I am. Then you hear me. If we are taken, you will go over to them as the wildling girl you captured once urged you. They may demand that you cut your cloak to ribbons, that you swear to them an oath on your father's grave, that you curse your brothers and your lord commander. You must not balk. Whatever is asked of you, do as they bid of you. But in your heart, remember who you, who and what you are. Ride with them, eat with them, fight with them for as long as it takes, and watch. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so that, so that is like, you know, the you're going to go over with there and do whatever it is that they say, which would put him with Mance Raider. Which you know, some people believe is is secretly Rhaegar. If you want to go down that route, obviously we're, this is the if Corrin is Arthur Dane, which I don't think works any other way. I don't. I think, I think Mance. You have to go down this like Mance is is Rhaegar route for him to be, um, for him to be Arthur Dane for that for that theory to work. Oh, you think so? You think uh, like, if it's if it's one, it has to be the other. I I just feel like they have to be together. Cause I, cause then it's, it's like, well, why is it just Arthur Dane up there? Right. Cause then there is also the, the stuff go, that goes on with Tormund giants, Bane, where Tor- he'll sometimes talk like, you know, a pirate. Uh, like a pirate. Right. And then yeah. some other times he's speaks kind of courteously. There's a lot of characters up there that seem like th- there's something going on and they shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. Well, one thing, you know, uh, Mance does the, the parallels between Mance and, Raider and Corrin Halfhand are interesting. Like they seem to know, like that. Well, they do. They know each other, right? Um, but they uh, <laughs> like there's they they disagree on something. Like they do. Like there's a past. They, they talk about um, whether their knees bend easily, whether they their views on women and and all this kind of stuff. It's brought up multiple times. They're like, well, this journey north, John learns a lot from Corrin. Spends all this time with him. Learns from him. Listens and and he actually will carry on what Corin embodies, which is obedience, discipline, sticking to the mission, keeping your vows, all that kind of stuff. Even throw a grit out there. He was still keeping his vow. All right. He was still doing what he had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so then he gets to, he gets to Mance who threw that away. I mean, like you could have a, a group of guys who came to the wall and then said, you know what? We're uh, some of us are going to see this through and some of us aren't. I mean, that, that could also be, possible so i don't know i haven't really given like the mance mance i haven't given a whole lot of thought to it's interesting the dornish connections that are made um and elia martell and rhaegar you know that, that's all interesting but i've more always been fascinated with corin so yeah just just because of the direct i mean he's such a he's a swordsman you know he, he arrives with dawn he leaves with you know at, at dawn and uh he uses that left hand Jamie and and Sir Arthur Dane were close. The reference to him beating people with his left hand, uh, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot there, but we'll have to check in on when we get to Mance. We'll have to do a little bit more of a you know a, a dive or a deeper dive down that whole uh, Rhaegar Mance thing, which I know you've brought up for years. But I think it's it's nice to go compare what other folks are saying, the slight variations in theories and and, and stuff behind it. All right, as today, we have a raven from John Ramshorn of the Mountain Ram Clan with his dire wolf, Nymeria. Hello, good sirs, Ezra and Matt, the Southern Kneelers. 
having continued listening and catching up to the end of Game of Thrones book chapters during the Maester study, which involved House Frey, I was intrigued and would like to know what you have to say to this concept I have thought of. That Walder Frey himself, not Arya, was the real killer of House Frey and led to the downfall and extinction of his house from Westeros. At the beginning of Season 7 of the show, uh, we see Arya Stark getting vengeance for the Red Wedding with the poisoning and complete killing of all male Freys. And presumably that house line would die with the men and women uh, left would marry into another house. And the other Riverland houses would most likely never let a fray come into power again after everything that they've done during the War of the Five Kings and previous past and take control of their land and bridge. In my mind, everything bad that was happening in House Frey is all the result of Walder himself. He is the true cause of downfall, and it can come down to two things. Continuing to have children with marriage after marriage when wives die, and not being able to show that he is a worthy lord that can be considered faithful and given respect around the land. In Westeros, having heirs and children to gain alliances is very important, and without any... Houses can disappear, as we've seen. Most families usually have anywhere from a few kids to upwards of maybe four to six, with some either dying from war, sickness, plots, uh, you know, uh, etc. It is always best to have a few extra sons and daughters because you never know what will happen. Daughters marrying into other families can help you secure your borders and gain allies, while son can give your, sons can give your house a future with sons and grandsons and their own marriages, more opportunities, and so on. But like a precious gem, too many, uh, and it loses all worth and meaning. Having dozens of sons seems to weaken each further, as instead of a few gems, uh, few you know, worthy gems, you just have bits of sand that are worthless. Walder, in his first marriage, had a respectable amount of children, three sons and one daughter, not counting grand grandsires from the first generation of children, since that is out of his control. If he had stopped there, his house, with his house's strategic importance, wealth, and potential for future growth, it's not a bad thing to get a marriage betrothal into House Frey with that. But when he keeps getting remarried time after time and soon has over 20 sons and seven daughters, not including bastards and many grand, many grandsires and so on, it soon becomes worthless to try and take on a fray as a bride or groom to marry into. My second point, Walder, even from a young age, has shown to be described as prickly, short-mannered, rude, and stuck up, and very prideful. Never accepting how his house is viewed by the region, he seems to expect glory and respect and glory and respect without ever having shown that his house can be great or offer anything without expecting rewards. Showing up late to Robert's rebellion at the Ruby Ford, uh, which earned him the na name the late Walter Frey, has seemed to never try to put one foot forward approach to show his house's willingness to be great and provide for his liege lords and just remain a thorn in everyone's side. Add that mindset to his vast family tree, and no wonder no one wants to deal or try to accept any ties with his bloodline. Prior to him being in control of House Frey, his house was not really looked down upon, only in the view that they were upstarts because of their uh, toll collection from the bridge. But 
being at least 600 years old, they aren't exactly a super young house. And knowing your strength, aka the bridge and location, that to me is not bad to go with what you are good at. Let us not forget the Tyrells were mere stewards under the gardeners and never ruled at all. Yet they rose to rule the whole reach and other uh, the and other reach lords. You know, not many looked down upon them. Of course, he was spurned a bit with King Rob during the War of the Five Kings, and after forcing many requirements of Rob just to cross his bridge, which he was ultimately denied the marriage he tried to set up and settled for, Edmure, to marry into his family instead. But I feel uh, if he was a bit more lenient from the start and did uh, follow his lord in helping him, he might have come out more on top with eagerness than being the scornful man he is." Ultimately, I believe his actions for the whole of his life, his demeanor, and his view on what should be given or not set up his family to eventually fail and be killed off. Granted, he took extreme actions with the betrayal and Red Wedding, but Walter having the character mindset as he is, he thought this was the best way to go, to go ahead. But in doing all of this, he sets off the path for no one to get the ultimate revenge from his lifetime of bad actions of course this is from the show the books are completely different because lady stoneheart is killing phrase off one by one and who knows what else will happen but from the show aside i really hated walter and was so happy to see him go i hope this makes sense and wait to hear your thoughts on it loving the show and will continue to listen thank you for listening from the true north john ramshorn of the mountain ram clan with his dire wolf nymeria so uh what what he's ultimately getting at here is that um Maybe Walter Frey uh, had a little bit more to do with uh, his his family's demise um, because by having far too many kids, it it it, it lessens their value because uh, they become they become less valuable. You know, when look at look at um look at how valuable the Stark children are, right? Especially 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 Sansa, right? I mean, she is an enormous piece that everybody wants. Yeah, because on a on a chessboard, right? Because if you can marry her, you get Winterfell. It's a big deal. Well, which if you marry a Frey, it doesn't really get, guarantee you anything because there's a hundred, you know, a hundred other people have claims to it. Yeah, and and there's plotting and stuff like some of them. I mean, you, you look at Big Water, Little Water, and you look at like some of the things that maybe happen in their family where one's trying to. You know, if an accident happens to this one, whatever, uh, we send one off to battle. We send one over here. We're, they're more, um, you know, exposable. Like, they're not really. It, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it does kind of lessen it a little bit. And it's um, it's interesting. It's interesting, too. Like, the Andals came in, and they wanted to, you know, marry in and, and kind of uh, through marriage alliances would, would do a lot to try to get rid of the customs of the first men and move the, the faith of the seven throughout the land Targaryens are kind of doing the same thing trying to as we mentioned at the top of the show uh with with all these children and marriage alliances and things like that Walter Frey uh is as well um it's just that like he's I don't know he's more in the way too like Walter himself just needs to die (laughs) like it's just crazy like like because because once he does whoever that next person is that's in power right like that would that would take over one of his sons um, would step up or a grandson. Well, then moving down that line is where you would have the, that central pillar of focus of power um, because you imagine that 
the other ones who were brothers of the elder Frey might not live as long and they might die out and it'll go to the, you know, to the son of the the son, right? I mean, whoever that, that heir is. And so it, it gets all kind of cute, confusing and, and, and complex, but the Freys often talk about it, like who's next up in line, how far down are they, all that kind of stuff, and all for the, just this one little seat of power, um, which is another interesting thing. It's not like it's, it's not like it's um, River Run or, or even if it were Winterfell, even if Winterfell had that many, you move the Frey house up there and it's a big seat of power. Um, it's, it's, it's not that though. It's a small, I mean, the twins is, they're no joke, but they're also, I mean, how important are they? They've been real, they're kind of backseat. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a strategic location, but, but still there's not, um, there's not much to gain. I don't know. They, they're, they're trying to marry into all these different houses and stuff. And yeah, now in the book, I do think Lady Stoneheart, uh, as John mentioned, is going to go through and is kind of killing them one by one and is getting vengeance on them. Uh, we see a lot of them dying. There's a lot of them that can be killed. So I think we're going to have like an unexpected sort of who's left over at the end, taking over for House Frey. I don't think House Frey is like going extinct or whatever. I think you'll have um, a grandson or whatever who who can who can step up and uh, Edmure's marrying into the phrase as well. So, you know, that's interesting. But no, it's a good thought. I mean, um, that's one of those things. It reminds you of when we were talking to Lady Adrian about the historical influences and and how you know people trying to gain a seat of power um you know and then like who's married to who cousins and all that kind of stuff stuff that george was really interested in and was inspired uh from in his writing makes sense that he'd have a house like like house Frey that just uh, keeps growing and growing and growing and is is actually connected to everything if you go look at his tree um his family tree i mean you it, it's ridiculous it's his descendants it's just it's insane they go through basically wife by wife, and they go through all of his sons with each wife, and then they, they branch off um, from there, and it's just massive. It's, uh, I mean, I'm still, I'm still scrolling. There's just so many. So, and then you have, then you have all the bastards down at the bottom, uh, baseborns, <laughs> so, who, who are also players and who matter. But, yeah, thanks, John. It's really cool. That's really neat and interesting to think about uh, that it would be Walter Frey, who's kind of tearing his family apart by growing his family. It's interesting. Absolutely. All right, as that is our show for today. Um, guys, we did a big Zoom hangout last week. It was great for everybody who uh, – it was a ton of fun. We ended up posting that episode uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, might be another one, maybe on around New Year's for anybody who is not going to a New Year's party for all the obvious reasons. So uh, if you – I think I might even from – from my vacation, try to swing in on 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 that one as well. So uh, stay stay tuned for that. But with that, guys, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter Forty Four, Tyrion Ten of A Clash of Kings. Absolutely. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, uh, or send a Raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming. 